part eight of benjamin britten source stories of twelve operas by various this librivox recording is in the public domain part eight albert herring guy de maupassant short story madame houzon's rosier we had just left gisors where i was awakened to hear the name of the town called out by the guards and i was dozing off again when a terrific shock threw me forward on top of a large lady who sat opposite me one of the wheels of the engine had broken and the engine itself lay across the track the tender and the baggage car were also derailed and lay beside this mutilated engine which rattled groaned hissed puffed sputtered and resembled those horses that fall in the street with their flanks heaving their breast palpitating their nostrils steaming and their whole body trembling but incapable of the slightest effort to rise and start off again there were no dead or wounded only a few with bruises for the train was not going at full speed and we looked with sorrow at the great crippled iron creature that could not draw us along any more and that blocked the track perhaps for some time for no doubt they would have to send to paris for a special train to come to our aid it was then ten o'clock in the morning and i at once decided to go back to gisors for breakfast as i was walking along i said to myself gisors gisors why i know someone there who is it gisors let me see i have a friend in this town a name suddenly came to my mind albert marambot he was an old school friend whom i had not seen for at least twelve years and who was practising medicine in gisors he had often written inviting me to come and see him and i had always promised to do so without keeping my word but at last i would take advantage of this opportunity i asked the first passer-by do you know where dr marambot lives he replied without hesitation and with the drawling accent of the normans rue dauphine i presently saw on the door of the house he pointed out a large brass plate on which was engraved the name of my old chum i rang the bell but the servant a yellow-haired girl who moved slowly said with a stupid air he isn't here he isn't here i heard a sound of forks and of glasses and i cried hello marambot a door opened and a large man with whiskers and a cross look on his face appeared carrying a dinner napkin in his hand i certainly would not have recognized him one would have said he was forty-five at least and in a second all the provincial life which makes one grow heavy dull and old came before me in a single flash of thought quicker than the act of extending my hand to him i could see his life his manner of existence his line of thought and his theories of things in general i guessed at the prolonged meals that had rounded out his stomach his after-dinner naps from the torpor of a slow indigestion aided by cognac and his vague glances cast on the patient while he thought of the chicken that was roasting before the fire his conversations about cooking about cider brandy and wine the way of preparing certain dishes and of blending certain sauces were revealed to me at sight of his puffy red cheeks his heavy lips and his lustreless eyes you do not recognize me i am raoul aubotin i said he opened his arms and gave me such a hug that i thought he would choke me you have not breakfast have you no 
oh, how fortunate i was just sitting down to table and i have an excellent trout five minutes later i was sitting opposite him at breakfast i said are you a bachelor yes indeed and do you like it here time does not hang heavy i am busy i have patience and friends i eat well have good health enjoy laughing and shooting i get along is not life very monotonous in this little town no my dear boy not when one knows how to fill in the time a little town in fact is like a large one the incidents and amusements are less varied but one makes more of them one has fewer acquaintances but one meets them more frequently when you know all the windows in a street each one of them interests you and puzzles you more than a whole street in paris a little town is very amusing you know very amusing very amusing why take gisors i know it at the tips of my fingers from its beginning up to its present time you have no idea what queer history it has do you belong to gisors i oh no i come from gournay its neighbour and rival gournay is to gisors what lucellus was to cicero here everything is for glory they say the proud people of gisors at gournay everything is for the stomach they say the chewers of gournay gisors despises gournay but gournay laughs at gisors it is a very comical country this i perceived that i was eating something very delicious hard-boiled eggs wrapped in a covering of meat jelly flavoured with herbs and put on ice for a few moments i said as i smacked my lips to compliment marambo that is good he smiled two things are necessary good jelly which is hard to get and good eggs oh how rare good eggs are with the yolks slightly reddish and with a good flavour i have two poultry yards one for eggs and the other for chickens i feed my laying hens in a special manner i have my own ideas on the subject in an egg as in the meat of a chicken in beef or in mutton in milk in everything one perceives and ought to taste the juice the quintessence of all the food on which the animal has fed how much better food we could have if more attention were paid to this i laughed as i said you are a gourmand parbleu it is only imbeciles who are not one is a gourmand as one is an artist as one is learned as one is a poet the sense of taste my friend is very delicate capable of perfection and quite as worthy of respect as the eye and the ear a person who lacks this sense is deprived of an exquisite faculty the faculty of discerning the quality of food just as one may lack the faculty of discerning the beauties of a book or of a work of art it means to be deprived of an essential organ of something that belongs to higher humanity it means to belong to one of those innumerable classes of the infirm the unfortunate and the fools of which our race is composed it means to have the mouth of an animal in a word just like the mind of an animal a man who cannot distinguish one kind of lobster from another a herring that admirable fish that has all the flavours all the odours of the sea from a mackerel or a whiting and a crescent from a duchess pear may be compared to a man who should mistake balzac for urien sue a symphony of beethoven for a military march composed 
by the bandmaster of a regiment and the apollo belvedere for the statue of general de beaumont who is a general de beaumont oh that's true you do not know it is easy to tell that you do not belong to gisors i told you just now my dear boy that they call the inhabitants of this town the proud people of gisors and never was an epithet better deserved but let us finish breakfast first and then i will tell you about our town and take you to see it he stopped talking every now and then while he slowly drank a glass of wine which he gazed at affectionately as he replaced the glass on the table it was amusing to see him with a napkin tied around his neck his cheeks flushed his eyes eager and his whiskers spreading round his mouth as it kept working he made me eat until i was almost choking then as i was about to return to the railway station he seized me by the arm and took me through the streets the town of a pretty provincial type commanded by its citadel the most curious monument of military architecture of the seventh century to be found in france overlooks in its turn a long green valley where the large norman cows graze and ruminate in the pastures the doctor quoted gisors a town of four thousand inhabitants in the department of Uri, mentioned in caesar's commentaries caesarius ostium then caesartium caesartium gisartium gisors i shall not take you to visit the old roman encampment the remains of which are still in existence i laughed and replied my dear friend it seems to me that you are affected with a special malady that as a doctor you ought to study it is called the spirit of provincialism he stopped abruptly the spirit of provincialism my friend is nothing but natural patriotism he said i love my house my town and my province because i discover in them the customs of my own village but if i love my country if i become angry when a neighbour sets foot in it it is because i feel that my home is in danger because the frontier that i do not know is the high road to my province for instance i am a norman a true norman well in spite of my hatred of the german and my desire for revenge i do not detest them i do not hate them by instinct as i hate the english the real hereditary natural enemy of the normans for the english traversed this soil inhabited by my ancestors plundered and ravaged it twenty times and my aversion to this perfidious people was transmitted to me at birth by my father see here is the statue of the general what general general Beaumont. we had to have a statue we are not the proud people of gisors for nothing so we discovered general de beaumont look in this bookseller's window he drew me towards the bookstore where about fifteen red yellow and blue volumes attracted the eye as i read the titles i began to laugh idiotically they read gisors its origin its future by monsieur x a member of several learned societies history of gisors by the abbe a gisors from the time of caesar to the present day by monsieur bay landowner gisors and its environs by dr c d the glories of gisors by a discoverer 
my friend resumed marumbo not a year not a single year you understand passes without a fresh history of gisor being published here we now have twenty-three and the glories of gisor i asked well i will not mention them all only the principal ones we had first general de beaumont then baron d'avalier the celebrated ceramist who explored spain and the Balearic islands and brought to the notice of collectors the wonderful hispano-arabic china in literature we have a very clever journalist now dead charles Brenn, and among those who are living the very eminent editor of the nouvelliste de rouen charles lapierre and many many others we were traversing a long street with a gentle incline with a june sun beating down on it and driving the residents into their houses suddenly there appeared at the farther end of the street a drunken man who was staggering along with his head forward his arms and legs limp he would walk forward rapidly three six or ten steps and then stop when these energetic movements landed him in the middle of the road he stopped short and swayed on his feet hesitating between falling and a fresh start then he would dart off in any direction sometimes falling against the wall of a house against which he seemed to be fastened as though he were trying to get in through the wall then he would suddenly turn round and look ahead of him his mouth open and his eyes blinking in the sunlight and getting away from the wall by a movement of the hips he started off once more a little yellow dog a half-starved cur followed him barking stopping when he stopped and starting off when he started hello said marambaugh there is madame husson's rosier madame husson's rosier i exclaimed in astonishment what do you mean the doctor began to laugh oh that is what we call drunkards round here the name comes from an old story which has now become a legend although it is true in all respects is it an amusing story very amusing well then tell it to me i will there lived formerly in this town a very upright old lady who was a great guardian of morals and was called madame husson you know i am telling you the real names and not imaginary ones madame husson took a special interest in good works in helping the poor and encouraging the deserving she was a little woman with a quick walk and wore a black wig she was ceremonious polite on very good terms with the almighty in the person of abbe malon and had a profound horror an inborn horror of vice and in particular of the vice the church calls lasciviousness any irregularity before marriage made her furious exasperated her till she was beside herself now this was the period when they presented a prize as a reward of virtue to any girl in the environ of paris who was found to be chaste she was called a rosier and madame husson got the idea that she would institute a similar ceremony at gisor she spoke about it to abbe malon who at once made out a list of candidates however madame husson had a servant an old woman called françoise as upright as her mistress as soon as the priest had left madame called the servant and said here françoise here are the girls whose name monsieur le cure has submitted to me for the prize of virtue 
try and find out what reputation they bear in the district and Françoise set out she collected all the scandal all the stories all the tattle all the suspicions that she might omit nothing she wrote it all down together with her memoranda in her housekeeping book and handed it each morning to madame Husson, who after adjusting her spectacles on her thin nose read as follows bread four sous milk two sous butter eight sous malvina levesque got into trouble last year with matern poilieu leg of mutton twenty-five sous salt une sou rosalie vatinelle was seen in the rubidet woods with césaire peignoir by madame onassime the ironer on july the twentieth about dusk radishes one sou vinegar two sous oxalic acid two sous josephine dordan who is not believed to have committed a fault although she corresponds with young opetin who is in service in rouen and who sent her a present of a cap of diligence not one came out unscathed in this rigorous inquisition Françoise inquired of every one neighbors drapers the principal the teaching sisters at school and gathered the slightest details as there is not a girl in the world about whom gossips have not found something to say there was not found in all the countryside one young girl whose name was free from some scandal but madame Husson desired that the rosier of gisor like caesar's wife should be above suspicion and she was horrified saddened and in despair at the record in her servant's housekeeping account-book they then extended their circle of inquiries to the neighbouring villages but with no satisfaction they consulted the mayor his candidates failed those of dr barbasol were equally unlucky in spite of the exactness of his scientific vouchers but one morning Françoise, on returning from one of her expeditions said to her mistress you see madame that if you wish to give a prize to any one there is only isidore in all the country round madame Husson remained thoughtful she knew him well this isidore the son of virginie the greengrocer his proverbial virtue had been the delight of gisor for several years and served as an entertaining theme of conversation in the town and of amusement to the young girls who loved to tease him he was past twenty-one was tall awkward slow and timid helped his mother in the business and spent his days picking over fruit and vegetables seated on a chair outside the door he had an abnormal dread of a petticoat and cast down his eyes whenever a female customer looked at him smilingly and this well-known timidity made him the butt of all the wags in the country bold words coarse expressions indecent allusions brought the colour to his cheeks so quickly that dr barbazol had nicknamed him the thermometer of modesty was he as innocent as he looked ill-natured people asked themselves was it the mere presentiment of unknown and shameful mysteries or else indignation at the relations ordained as the concomitant of love that so strongly affected the son of virginie the greengrocer the urchins of the neighbourhood as they ran past the shop would fling disgusting remarks at him just to see him cast down his eyes 
the girls amused themselves by walking up and down before him cracking jokes that made him go into the store the boldest among them teased him to his face just to have a laugh to amuse themselves made appointments with him and proposed all sorts of things so madame husson had become thoughtful certainly isidore was an exceptional case of notorious unassailable virtue no one among the most sceptical most incredulous would have been able would have dared to suspect isidore of the slightest infraction of any law of morality he had never been seen in a cafe never been seen at night on the street he went to bed at eight o'clock and rose at four he was a perfection a pearl but madame husson still hesitated the idea of substituting a boy for a girl a rosier for a rosière troubled her worried her a little and she resolved to consult abbe malon the abbe responded what do you desire to reward madame it is virtue is it not and nothing but virtue what does it matter to you therefore if it is masculine or feminine virtue is eternal it has neither sex nor country it is virtue thus encouraged madame husson went to see the mayor he approved heartily we will have a fine ceremony he said and another year if we can find a girl as worthy as isidore we will give the reward to her it will even be a good example that we shall set to nantier let us not be exclusive let us welcome all merit isidore who had been told about this blushed deeply and seemed happy the ceremony was fixed for the fifteenth of august the festival of the virgin mary and of the emperor napoleon the municipality had decided to make an imposing ceremony and had built the platform on the coroner a delightful extension of the ramparts of the old citadel where i will take you presently with the natural revulsion of public feeling the virtue of isidore ridiculed hitherto had suddenly become respected and envied as it would bring him in five hundred francs besides a savings bank book a mountain of consideration and glory enough and to spare the girls now regretted their frivolity their ridicule their bold manners and isidore although still modest and timid had now a little contented air that bespoke his internal satisfaction the evening before the fifteenth of august the entire rue dauphine was decorated with flags oh i forgot to tell you why this street had been called rue dauphine it seems that the wife or mother of the dauphin i do not remember which one while visiting gisors had been fated so much by the authorities that during a triumphal procession through the town she stopped before one of the houses in this street halting the procession and exclaimed oh the pretty house how i should like to go through it to whom does it belong they told her the name of the owner who was sent for and brought proud and embarrassed before the princess she alighted from her carriage went into the house wishing to go over it from top to bottom and even shut herself in one of the rooms alone for a few seconds when she came out the people flattered at this honour paid to a citizen of gisors shouted long live the dauphine but a rhymester wrote some words to a refrain and the street retained the title of her royal highness for 
the princess in a hurry without bell priest or beadle but with some water only had baptized it but to come back to isidore they had scattered flowers all along the road as they do for processions at the fetier and the national guard was present acting on the orders of their chief commandant de bar an old soldier of the grand army who pointed with pride to the beard of a cossack cut with a single sword-stroke from the chin of its owner by the commandant during the retreat in russia and which hung beside the frame containing the cross of the legion of honour presented to him by the emperor himself the regiment that he commanded was besides a picked regiment celebrated all through the province and the company of grenadiers from gisors was called on to attend all important ceremonies for a distance of fifteen to twenty leagues the story goes that louis philippe while reviewing the militia of Uyr, stopped in astonishment before the company from gisors exclaiming oh who are these splendid grenadiers the grenadiers of gisors replied the general i might have known it murmured the king so commandant de bar came at the head of his men preceded by the band to get isidore in his mother's store after a little air had been played by the band beneath the windows the rosier himself appeared on the threshold he was dressed in white duck from head to foot and wore a straw hat with a little bunch of orange blossoms as a cockade the question of his clothes had bothered madame Husson a good deal and she hesitated some time between the black coat of those who make their first communion and an entire white suit but françoise her counsellor induced her to decide on the white suit pointing out that the rosier would look like a swan behind him came his guardian his godmother madame Husson, in triumph she took his arm to go out of the store and the mayor placed himself on the other side of the rosier the drums beat commandant de bar gave the order present arms the procession resumed its march towards the church amid an immense crowd of people who had gathered from the neighbouring districts after a short mass and an affecting discourse by abbe malon they continued on their way to the coroner where the banquet was served in a tent before taking their seats at table the mayor gave an address this is it word for word i learned it by heart young man a woman of means beloved by the poor and respected by the rich madame Husson, whom the whole country is thanking here through me had the idea the happy and benevolent idea of founding in this town a prize for virtue which should serve as a valuable encouragement to the inhabitants of this beautiful country you young man are the first to be rewarded in this dynasty of goodness and chastity your name will remain at the head of this list of the most deserving and your life understand me your whole life must correspond to this happy commencement to-day in presence of this noble woman of these soldier citizens who have taken up their arms in your honour in presence of this populace affected assembled to applaud you or rather to applaud virtue in your person you make a solemn contract with the town with all of us to continue until your death the excellent example of your youth do not forget young man that you are the first seed cast into this field of hope give us the fruits that we expect of you 
the mayor advanced three steps opened his arms and pressed isidore to his heart the rosier was sobbing without knowing why from a confused emotion from pride and a vague and happy feeling of tenderness then the mayor placed in one hand a silk purse in which gold tingled five hundred francs in gold and in his other hand a savings bank book and he said in a solemn tone homage glory and riches to virtue commandant de bar shouted bravo the grenadiers vociferated and the crowd applauded madame husson wiped her eyes in her turn then they all sat down at the table where the banquet was served the repast was magnificent and seemed interminable one course followed another yellow cider and red wine in fraternal contact blended in the stomach of the guests the rattle of plates the sound of voices and of music softly played made an incessant deep hum and was dispersed abroad in the clear sky where the swallows were flying madame husson occasionally readjusted her black wig which would slip over one side and chatted with abbe malon the mayor who was excited talked politics with commandant de bar and isidore ate drank as if he had never eaten or drunk before he helped himself repeatedly to all the dishes becoming aware for the first time of the pleasure of having one's belly full of good things which tickled the palate in the first place he had let out a reef in his belt and without speaking and although he was a little uneasy at a wine stain on his white waistcoat he ceased eating in order to take up his glass and hold it to his mouth as long as possible to enjoy the taste slowly it was time for the toasts they were many and loudly applauded evening was approaching and they had been at the table since noon fine milky vapours were already floating in the air in the valley the light night-robe of streams and meadows the sun neared the horizon the cows were lowing in the distance amid the mists of the pasture the feast was over they returned to gisors the procession now disbanded walked in detachments madame husson had taken isidore's arm and was giving him a quantity of urgent excellent advice they stopped at the door of the fruit store and the rosier was left at his mother's house she had not come home yet having been invited by her family to celebrate her son's triumph she had taken luncheon with her sister after having followed the procession as far as the banqueting tent so isidore remained alone in the store which was growing dark he sat down on a chair excited by the wine and by pride and looked about him carrots cabbages and onions gave out their strong odour of vegetables in the closed room that coarse smell of the garden blended with the sweet penetrating odour of strawberries and the delicate slight evanescent fragrance of a basket of peaches the rosier took one of these and ate it although he was as full as an egg then all at once wild with joy he began to dance about the store and something rattled in his waistcoat he was surprised and put his hand in his pocket and brought out the purse containing the five hundred francs which he had forgotten in his agitation five hundred francs what a fortune he poured the gold pieces out on the counter and spread them out with his big hand with a slow caressing touch so as to see them all at the same time 
there were twenty-five twenty-five round gold pieces all gold they glistened on the wood in the dim light and he counted them over and over one by one then he put them back in the purse which he replaced in his pocket who will ever know or who can tell what a terrible conflict took place in the soul of the rosier between good and evil the tumultuous attack of satan his artifices the temptations which he offered to this timid virgin heart what suggestions what imaginations what desires were not invented by the evil one to excite and destroy this chosen one he seized his hat madame husson's saint his hat which still bore the little bunch of orange blossoms and going out through the alley at the back of the house he disappeared in the darkness virginie the fruiterer on learning that her son had returned went home at once and found the house empty she waited without thinking anything about it at first but at the end of a quarter of an hour she made inquiries the neighbors had seen isidore come home and had not seen him go out again they began to look for him but could not find him his mother in alarm went to the mayor the mayor knew nothing except that he had left him at the door of his house madame husson had just retired when they informed her that her protege had disappeared she immediately put on her wig dressed herself and went to virginie's house virginie whose plebeian soul was readily moved was weeping copiously amid her cabbages carrots and onions they feared some accident had befallen him what could it be commandant de barre notified the police who made a circuit of the town and on the high road to pontoise they found the little bunch of orange blossoms it was placed on a table around which the authorities were deliberating the rosier must have been the victim of some stratagem some trick some jealousy but in what way what means had been employed to kidnap this innocent creature and with what object weary of looking for him without any result virginie alone remained watching and weeping the following evening when the coach passed by on its return from paris gisors learned with astonishment that its rosier had stopped the vehicle at a distance of about two hundred metres from the town had climbed up on it and paid his fare handing over a gold piece and receiving the change and that he had quietly alighted in the centre of the great city there was great excitement all through the countryside letters passed between the mayor and the chief of police in paris but brought no result the days followed one another a week passed now one morning dr barbazal who had gone out early perceived sitting on a doorstep a man dressed in a grimy linen suit who was sleeping with his head leaning against the wall he approached him and recognized isidore he tried to rouse him but did not succeed in doing so the ex rosier was in that profound invincible sleep that is alarming and the doctor in surprise went to seek assistance to help him in carrying the young man to boncheval's drug store when they lifted him up they found an empty bottle under him and when the doctor sniffed at it he declared that it had contained brandy that gave a suggestion as to what treatment he would require they succeeded in rousing him isidore was drunk drunk and degraded by a week of guzzling drunk and so disgusting that a ragman would not have touched him 
his beautiful white duck suit was a gray rag greasy muddy torn and destroyed and he smelt of the gutter and of vice he was washed sermonized shut up and did not leave the house for four days he seemed ashamed and repentant they could not find on him either his purse containing the five hundred francs or the bank-book or even his silver watch a sacred heirloom left by his father the fruiterer on the fifth day he ventured into the rue dauphine curious glances followed him and he walked along with a furtive expression in his eyes and his head bent down as he got outside the town towards the valley they lost sight of him but two hours later he returned laughing and rolling against the walls he was drunk absolutely drunk nothing could cure him driven from home by his mother he became a wagon driver and drove the charcoal wagons for the pugrisel firm which is still in existence his reputation as a drunkard became so well known and spread so far that even at Evere they talked of madame husson's rosier and the sots of the countryside have been given that nickname a good deed is never lost dr marimbeau rubbed his hands as he finished his story i asked did you know the rosier yes i had the honour of closing his eyes what did he die of an attack of delirium tremens of course we had arrived at the old citadel a pile of ruined walls dominated by the enormous tower of st thomas of canterbury and the one called the prisoner's tower marimbeau told me the story of this prisoner who with the aid of a nail covered the walls of his dungeon with sculptures tracing the reflections of the sun as it glanced through the narrow slit of a loophole i also learned that clotaire the second had given the patrimony of gisor to his cousin saint romain bishop of rouen that gisor ceased to be the capital of the whole of vezin after the treaty of saint clair sur pep that the town is the chief strategic centre of all that portion of france and that in consequence of this advantage she was taken and retaken over and over again at the command of william the red the eminent engineer robert de Bellesme, constructed there a powerful fortress that was attacked later by louis le gros then by the norman barons was defended by robert de candot was finally ceded to louis le gros by geoffrey plantagenet was retaken by the english in consequence of the treachery of the knights templars was contested by philippe augustus and richard the lion-hearted was set on fire by edward the third of england who could not take the castle was again taken by the english in fourteen nineteen restored later to charles the eighth by richard de mowbray and was taken by the duke of calabria occupied by the league inhabited by henry the fourth etc etc and marimbeau eager and almost eloquent continued what beggars those english and what sots my boy they are all rosiers those hypocrites then after a silence stretching out his arms towards the tiny river that glistened in the meadows he said did you know that henry monnier was one of the most untiring fishermen on the banks of the Ept? no i did not know it and bouff my boy bouff was a painter on glass you are joking no indeed how is it you do not know these things 
End of part eight.